in the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking that we could pull, I don't know, Hall of Famer. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com. The only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. There is nothing more fun than opening an Arena Club slab pack. I mean, it is so much better than any mystery pack that I've ever purchased because there is a focus on transparency. There is a display of available cards. There are hit rates you can get. When you're graded, you're given a rationale. It is the marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, and displaying. Arena Club Slab Packs are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. You can have them officially graded by Arena Club. The Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent, with a full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. Whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash badmoney. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack, that's $40 right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash badmoney for 10% off your first purchase. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. Hoo-ah! You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now you're here. Gabe S. Done. Hello and welcome to Bad With Money, a show about finances and feelings where we don't talk down to you. I'm Gabe S. Done. Amina, will you tell my listeners who you are and what you do? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm such a fan. I am 
an executive coach, and I'm half Iraqi, half Welsh. I live with chronic illness. I am an immigrant, and I support people in unearthing their purpose and doing work that feels great and pays well all day, every day. And it's such an honor and a joy to get to do this work and to be here with you. Oh, thank you so much. What stood out to me about your story was, you know, how how open you are about like advocating for chronic illness in terms of money, which you don't often see because the narrative is like, you're lazy. So I I wanted to get into a bit of like, what happened in the beginning? Because it's this whole thing of like, oh, you're feeling successful on paper, but then what's going on behind the scenes? So can you set up like what was happening when you figured out that you were sick? Yes. So I started my career back in 2007 and I'm an immigrant. I have foreign parents and, you know, come from this like hardworking immigrant background. And when I started work, I sort of carried all of my familial cultural programming into the workplace. I had never been to therapy. I'd never been to coaching and I was deeply codependent absolutely boundaryless and was taking care of everybody but myself. And eventually, after doing this for quite a few years, I burned out and I developed two autoimmune diseases. But it was very dramatic the way that it happened. Like I'd been feeling unwell and I'd been going to doctors. And and then eventually I, I find a doctor who sort of figures out what's wrong. And she calls me one day as I'm on my way to work. And she says, if you don't go to the hospital now, instead of going to work, you're days away from multiple organ failure. And it was, yes, your face is exactly my face at the time. I was just shocked. And, but my programming was so deep. I actually did go to work that day and I went to the doctor afterwards. Right. So that says a lot about me and my mindset at the time. But what I realized is that I didn't have the tools that I needed to thrive in the context of work. And I think some of that is systemic. I think some of that was my own mindset and upbringing. And so after that, I went on what I call my eat, pray, love year, where I was like, okay, I've got to figure myself out because I can't live like this. Clearly I'm about to die. So I went to coaching for the first time. I went to mindfulness school. I learned somatic practices, basically just kind of like learning all these tools to feel better in my own life. And eventually I felt so much better that I decided that I wanted to sort of teach this onward, which is the short story of how I got here. You know, it's so interesting because we hear all of these things about running yourself ragged or burning out. And so why do you think you, you went to work instead of going to the hospital? Because I think there was a part of me that didn't believe myself that was like, sure, you have all these symptoms, but is it real? Is it in your head? Can you push through? I also came of age, like very much in like hustle culture, girl boss era, where it's like you just push through. And I also learned that in my lineage. So on, so I'm half Welsh, half Iraqi. And on the Welsh side, my great grandparents were all coal miners and they all succumbed to their injuries from the mine. So like literally like we will kill ourselves for work is kind of the programming. And I think that was me too. And it didn't work anymore. And that's very interesting. But for me, anytime I'm out of integrity, I get called out through my body first. Like I take a hit in my body first. So it's like, I know if I'm doing something that is not in alignment because my body will tell me right away. But I think it's like there's cultural pieces. I think there's familial pieces and just telling myself that story that you just keep going. I know I'm the same way. Like as soon as I'm stressed out, I'll get sick or my hair starts falling out or like it's very like body (laughs) in the body. What do you think that is? I think the stress has to come out in some way. Like I remember I got really sick and like burnt out in 2012 and I had to, I was like literally at home or at my brother's house, like totally unable to eat or do anything. And I had to finish editing this book that I had agreed to edit and I finished it. 
I really get it. I really yeah. get it. It's like, why do we do that? What, what do you think the fear is on the other side of it? Like, I know all my stuff is fears. Like, if I actually tell myself that I'm sick and I succumb to that label, it's going to mean something bigger. If I don't yeah. do the work, it's going to mean something bigger. So, like, what do you think it meant for you? Probably that, like, I would be letting people down. But also, I think there's a point of pride. Like, you talked about, like, hustle culture, millennial culture. Like, don't you think there's, like, there's this point of pride to, like, how hard we've worked or how much we've we've done to ourselves like I remember you know I think Gen Z now is a little bit like that was that was a scam but like I love it I remember thinking like while I'm sleeping other people are getting ahead of me yeah I had a a coach in high school tennis coach and he would say a day off is a day wasted when others become better than you and that's how I felt Yes, I believe that for a long time too. And now I'm like, a day off is a day luxuriating and pacing and replenishing so that I can show up and shine when I want to. Yeah. I mean, what were your like, were they symptoms that you were just really used to? Because I feel like people get like, you get sort of like, oh, well, this is this is what I this is just what happens when you work hard. I think it was some of that. And I think they also built so gradually that I wasn't realizing sort of how big they were. But it was similar to you. Like hair loss is a thing that happens for me all the time. Like when my body's out of equilibrium, it'll show in my hair. So basically I had this like kind of bald patch in the front. And that's the thing that actually sent me to the doctor because I was in my 20s and I was like, it doesn't feel right to have this bald spot (laughs) in my 20s. So, Oh my God. But I also had like extreme lethargy. I had like, I was really forgetful. I remember feeling like tons of notebooks at the time with notes because I couldn't remember anything. So symptoms like that, that didn't necessarily like, it wasn't something super physical, like it wasn't doubled over in pain that it was like acute, but it was, they were sort of building over time. I mean, and autoimmune diseases are triggered just by, by stuff going on in your life or just by aging or whatever it is. So I mean, how do you work around them now? Yeah. So, and you know, it's so multifactorial, right? It can be our genetics and it can be our environment. It can be stress. It can be all types of things. And so, you know, I think a lot of the conversation around autoimmune disease sometimes is that like we've done it to ourselves and I never want anyone to feel that way because it's multifactorial, right? Of course. Yeah. When people roll up like that, I'm like, no, no, (laughs) that's not the full story. But one of the things that I teach my clients to do is to like really work with our bodies versus fighting against them. Because so much of hustle culture, millennial culture taught us to instrumentalize our bodies, to squeeze every last drop of productivity out. And if we're not productive, we're not valuable and worthy. And that that's such a pile of crap, right? Like we're bored worthy. And that's some of the reprogramming that we have to do. But we each, every human has a different body, right? Different minds, different bodies. And they all work differently. We all have different, I call it like energy codes. And mm. so how does your body work? Like when do you work optimally? And can we design your work around that versus forcing and instrumentalizing? Like even the way that the workday was originally designed, the nine to five was sort of designed around testosterone, peaking in the morning and then tapering off throughout the day. It wasn't designed for people with an infradian rhythm, like a menstrual cycle, which is a 28 day cycle, which means that we're actually different every single day. And oh. so with that knowledge, what if we actually designed our work around our individual energy? Because then it's high yield versus forcing ourselves to just fit into a nine to five or do a thing because we're told we have to. I mean, that's that's pretty brilliant. And I think that that's something that is like in a utopian society we would figure out. Like it is this thing of, of 
if you don't work within these this system, which which requires you to be like able-bodied, you know, similar neurotypical and things like that, you're just not set up to succeed. And we start that, I mean, with school. We start that with the hours of school and everything. So I just don't, it's like, it seems so obvious to me, but I'm always like, I don't know how we change any of that. Unless like, I mean, again, this comes back to me banging the drum about UBI, universal basic income. But like, yeah, I mean, is there, can you do anything? Is it like the ADA cover any of this? Can you do anything to like get accommodations or anything like that? Do you recommend that? You absolutely can get accommodations and there's stuff that we can do inside of a corporate container, right? So if I have the privilege of, of having my own business so I can design things for my body. Not everybody has that privilege, mm-hmm. but I work with clients that work in corporate America and there are ways, right? It's sort of like, how do we dis- design inside of a framework that already exists? And we do have some ways that we can do that. So I have a client that is neurotypical and has been navigating chronic illness their entire life. And basically it's like, okay, we know that the beginning of the week and the beginning of the day is their best creative energy. They're in a creative field. And so they've blocked off time on their calendar to use that for solo work so they can do all the things that they need to do. Then meeting times is less energy intensive for them. So they do that from basically like 12 to three, let's say. And then towards the end of the day is sort of like emails and wrap up. And so there's ways that we can design inside the system. It'll never be perfect because nothing ever is, but there are ways that we can take what exists and use it to work with us. And yes, we can always ask for accommodations, but the, a lot of the times the way that work is designed will exacerbate our chronic illness, right? And sort of those work cultures will. And so I think it's really important that we're clear ahead of time what we need, how we can function optimally, and then make the asks to support our thriving. I mean, they can't like fire you for asking for accommodations. No, they cannot. <laughs> okay. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a new candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. It would be so much easier if I was looking for someone to help me with sweetening audio or let's say someone to run my merch shop or all the little things that go into running a podcast. Usually something like that would be so slow and overwhelming. And honestly, I wish I had used Indeed and I will use Indeed in the future. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash badwithmoney right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. 
You guys know that I have had allergies for forever. I've had seasonal allergies since I was a kid. It causes pressure in my face, under my eyes. They're my ultimate handbrake. When my nose is plugged up, I feel like I can't do anything. I can't enjoy food because I can't taste it. I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even host the show because my voice sounds like a duck. And listen... I am already dealing with vocal strain from testosterone and my voice dropping. I don't need any more problems with allergies. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I've been taking Claritin D for allergies like probably for the last 10 years or something, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can go outside without my eyes watering like a fountain. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped in my throat. I get really embarrassed when I'm sneezing all the time. I have like an itchy nose or throat, like ugh, like just the, the itchiness in the back of your sinuses is like so distracting and so annoying. And I get like pressure in my ears too. It's really painful. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Everything is more expensive these days when you're running a business, and you would be wise to find proven ways to cut costs and boost performance at the same time. The fact that you are able to reduce your IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud is incredible. And the ability to access your cloud financial system from anywhere saves you so much time and stress. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. So I'm curious, too, about lack of boundaries. Because like you're talking about, you know, going into work when you have just been told to go to the emergency room or like what what are some signs that you're not having boundaries with work? Yeah, that's a great question. So if work has taken over your whole life, right, you don't if you don't know where you end and work begins is a sign that you might not have some boundaries. If you don't have any hobbies, right, if somebody asks you the question of like, well, what do you do outside of work? And it's a bit of an existential dread question, right? Where you're like, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know who I am. And I've felt that way before. So I really get it, right? Might be a sign that we're giving a bit too much to work. And then there's physical symptoms too, right? The symptoms of burnout are super interesting where we feel like we general malaise and like we have distance from our work and we're super annoyed by everything because we haven't set those boundaries. So you might feel some of that too. What are some examples of boundaries? 
I love the quote from Prentice Hemphill that says that boundaries are the distance at which I've, I'm riffing on this a little bit, but boundaries are the distance at which I can honor you and me simultaneously. Mm. Because I think that's such an important reframe around boundaries. Because I think sometimes when we say the word boundary, people think like this is a fence to keep people out. But actually, it is a device that facilitates both of us thriving. So it's the distance at which we can honor each other at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so an example of a boundary might be saying, I'm not going to work past five o'clock. I'm not going to answer emails on the weekends. I'm not going to pick up my phone past this time. If my plate is full of projects, I'm not going to say yes to an additional one without sharing with my manager that something needs to be offloaded first. So those are all some boundaries we could set. How do we get rid of the fear of putting the phone down and missing something? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really big deal. Right. So I think there's in there, there's fear and then there's also prioritization. So Oh, that's really smart. Yeah. So like we're always telling ourselves stories, right? So what are the stories we're telling ourselves about missing the phone call, about dropping the ball and ask our, we want to ask ourselves, are these factual, right? Is this true with a capital T or are we in a bit of a cognitive distortion? And Um. I love to do the thing this thing called fear sorting where we play the game of like, well, what's the worst possible outcome and what can I do to mitigate the worst possible outcome? Because when we do that, we actually see that we've often made the fear a little bit bigger in our minds and it is an actuality. And there are certain steps that we can take to mitigate the worst possible outcome. So if I'm telling myself the story that I'm afraid if I don't pick my phone up after six, that this project is going to fail, that my manager is going to hate me and that I'm going to get fired, right? That's a big story. And there's probably a lot of steps in between those actions actually unfolding. And so we can kind of fear sort and ask ourselves, well, if I don't pick up the phone, what are the ramifications? What can I do to mitigate my manager being angry with me? Maybe I'll tell them ahead of time that I'm not picking up the phone so they know not to call me, right? There's things that we can do in the process. But prioritization is really important too. We want to prioritize with our managers because when we do it in isolation, nobody knows that we set the boundary, right? right? So it's like, well, I just set this boundary all by myself and nobody knows about it. So then they're crossing it and I'm livid about it, but they have no idea. So if we share with them and we prioritize with them, then they understand where the boundaries are. Yeah, I think um, also I love fear sorting because I think it's like, sometimes I'm like, I'm not a brain surgeon. Like I'm, I'm, oh no, like I missed an, like, you know, there's money involved, obviously, but I have to just remind myself, like, nobody's going to die. I tell myself that every day. I'm like, I'm not curing cancer. I mean, in my way I am, like, really, I feel like I'm doing God's work over here. But <laughs> like, like you said, like, we're not saving lives. But, in, and if you are curing cancer, I think maybe you could still have boundaries. <laughs> you absolutely can, right? Because cancer won't be cured in a day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's also like, you know, what if what if you are met with resistance to boundaries at like a corporate job or like a, you know, retail job or something? Yeah. A lot of the times people will have resistance to our boundaries because they benefit from us being boundaryless, right? Mm -hmm. When we're boundaryless and we're doing all the things, it's so much better for them because we'll probably do some of their work and there's less for them and less resistance and all the things. So I would say expect that some people may feel resistant to your boundaries. And I think that's always a conversation of, hey, you know, in order for me to take care of myself, I'm doing this new thing. The impact of that might look like this on you, but let's talk about it. Maybe we can figure out how to soften the impact for you so that it doesn't feel so big. Because I think everything can be a conversation. Yeah. Or like, well, then maybe at the end of the workday at like 430, we go over what's left to do or something, you know, like kind of build, build. It's hard because people are so reluctant to change, but like build. and, And it's also like confrontation in some way. I've been thinking a lot about how 
how everyone thinks that things are mean or confrontational. Like we've been taught that things are mean or confrontational that are just like regular. Like if your friend tells you a story and you're like, you know, you're not really allowed to be like, is that what happened? Because that's considered mean. But really what it is, is just asking a question. And so it's kind of this thing of like, hey, I don't, I actually don't answer work emails after 6 p.m. And then we're sort of conditioned. I don't know why, if it's generational or what, to be like, that's rude. But like, is it rude? Like to sit with like what's actually been asked and be like, was I rude? Is that ask of me rude? Like I'm sort of right now in a place where I'm unpacking all of that. Yeah, I'm with you. So in the last year and a half, I've been doing uh, more somatic work. And can you say what that is? Yeah. So basically it is a process by which you, you you sort of, you do this thing called mapping in your body where you identify tension or a particular body part and you draw an invisible line from one point to another. And in doing that practice, I'm simplifying it here, but in doing that practice, we can downshift our nervous system from fight or flight to rest and digest because those of us that stay in a prolonged state of fight or flight, it can express disease. And so sometimes autoimmune disease can be exacerbated by stress and being in fight or flight. So that's why I originally engaged in this process. And I watched it change one of my friend's lives. But when we're in rest and digest, we're often not reacting in the ways that people want us to, right? So somebody tells us a story and we're not like, oh my God, that's so wild. Like we don't go on the journey with them. Oftentimes people will perceive that as rude. But what's Mm -hmm. actually happening is we're staying in our own nervous system. And because we're in a world where we kind of go on rides with other people's nervous systems and we're never in our own when they don't join us, it can feel really uncomfortable for the other person. And so I, listen, I think everything is a conversation. So I'll share sometimes of like, hey, I'm doing this practice where like I'm working to be in my nervous system while you share your experience and I'm just going to hold the space for you and I'm not going to react and I want to hear how that feels for you. And maybe they'll tell me like, hey, I wish you kind of came on the journey with me and I'll be Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, we can talk about that. But I agree with you. We live in a world that's like, hey, let's just all go on this trip together. Yeah. Or like, I mean, I think also that that's something that I've been thinking about a lot with codependency. And so I wanted to also ask you, like, because I hear about it in relationships, but like with work, I guess. But in general, like what what is what is codependency? Because I think part of it is needing the other person to go on the journey with you. Or like if you're in in a space with someone, they need to think that this thing is just as important as you do be on the exact same wavelength as you. Otherwise, they're the enemy. Is my is what I'm coming to realize. Yeah. So I like to talk about codependency in the context of our work because it does show up there. And I mentioned that about my story. And so what I think about codependency in its most simplistic terms is when we're in an enmeshed relationship and we're really outsourcing our esteem to somebody else. So their being okay, our being okay depends on their being okay and them liking us and everything being okay. Right. And so sometimes we'll over rotate to control the other person, to take care of the experience. We may have a lack of boundaries. We might try to save people, never let a ball drop because we're so worried about the whole dynamic. But in that, we lose ourselves. We don't show up as ourselves. And we're so concerned about the other person and the dynamic, right, that we're not in ourselves and in our nervous system. And so I think you're absolutely right. Those The, the nervous system work and codependency are really closely related. And if you're at work and you have a boss, right, that requires everyone to be on the same page emotionally all the time, Like I I can, you know, I can see a situation where a boss is like, this is really awful. And you've done somatic work and you're like, okay, well, we'll like figure it out. And that's perceived as like rude. That, that can trigger some people. It really can. And so what's really interesting is in this 
somatic work that I've been learning about and studying is that when we need somebody else to be different, that says more about our nervous system than it does theirs, right? So I'm trying Mm. to control the other person's experience by saying, you need to be freaked out with me. Well, why do you need to be freaked out with me, right? What What does that say about me versus what does it say about you? Because our nervous system's job is to scan our environment. It scans the environment a couple hundred times a minute to look for threats, both physical and psychological. And we live in a world that's like, this email's a threat, this this late thing is a threat. This dropped ball in this project is a threat. When in actuality, those things are not threats to our survival. They're uncomfortable. We don't like them, but it's not a threat to our survival. And so if we can work with our nervous system to understand that, that's a really healthy thing, but not everybody's making those choices. And then it can feel like, you know, you're being really rude by not going on the journey with me, but that says more about their nervous system than it ever does about ours. Well, stop sending emails in all caps. Every single thing is like, is like, if you don't do this right now, you know, who's responsible for my, for my fight or flight, the IRS, because they've made it seem like they've made it seem like I will simply go to jail for every single thing that happens. I am with you. I actually, I did a body of work on that in my somatic practice where I was like, taxes are always a stimulus for my nervous system. It's like, I get that automatic, you know, email from nyc.gov and I'm like, I'm going to jail. I've done something wrong. And so what you can do is you can work to release the trigger. And so that always shows up for me as as an impetus, sends me into fight or flight. So now that I know that I can do the body mapping to shift. So when I see that email, I don't freak out. Like what, like, what do you do? So literally this just happened where I was working with my somatic practitioner being like, hey, so taxes are a thing for me. And I literally cannot access my higher thinking because I'm just spinning. And we sat there and we noticed which body parts it shifted for me. So it shifted like my shoulders, my chest, my body did something called duck and cover where it's like waiting for a threat. So it's like ducking and covering. And so you can focus on those. Let's say we pick the heart and the collarbone and you focus on the top of the heart and you draw an invisible line from the top of the heart to the top of the collarbone. And in this body of work, the idea is you can spend two minutes there and even two minutes doing that exercise, you can see a downshift. It depends on the person's body and how deep we are into that fight or flight experience. But by doing that, then I take some of the stimulus out and you do a repeated practice until you're no longer feeling the stimulus from that email or that experience. Hey guys, Gabe Dunn here. I just wanted to let you guys know that I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash Gabe S. Dunn. And on that Patreon, I'm going to start doing live hangs with everyone who is a patron. So if you want to join the Patreon, you can get all these episodes ad free, videos of our mailbag episodes, extra writing from me, blogs, fiction, other stuff, things that I'm thinking about with regards to money and personal stories. And also now live hangs with me on Zoom once a month. So join the Patreon. And if you're not a member of the Discord, hop on over to the Discord. That's free. The link will be in the description. It's so fun. So many of you guys talk over there. It's like truly popping off. Um, And if you're on the Discord, I would love to see you in the live hang. So I get to put a face to a name. So yeah, please join patreon.com slash Gabe S. Dunn and come hang out with me. Managing my finances is incredibly stressful and time consuming. I'm sure you guys know you've been with me on this journey. You know how many finance apps I've tried. You know how much they haven't worked for me. And I'm always on the hunt for a finance app that fits my life. And then I tried Monarch. It is so easy to use with powerful features, collaboration tools, intuitive design, personalization, 
constant product improvements. I really value an app that allows me to do all of this without confusion. And especially important to me is intuitive design and the ability to personalize because clearly finance is not one size fits all. Did you know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce? Monarch, the top-rated personal finance app, also has built-in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. Together, you can see all your finances, collaborate on your budget, and get insights on your cash flow and recurring transactions. It's the easiest way to manage your household finances. Are you saving for a down payment, a wedding, a dream vacation? Monarch makes it so easy to help you reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Have you been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads, difficult to use, rarely updated? So was Monarch. They built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful and ad-free and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Experience a personal finance app that prioritizes the user experience above all else. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. Plus, there's ad-free privacy you can trust. We will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash badmoney for your extended 30-day free trial. I love to track progress. As you guys know from listening to this show, I'm constantly tracking my progress. What have we done so far in 2024? And spring is in full bloom. Are your finances blooming too? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans like for a car or a home. You can use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. That's right, you can build your credit using your own money. Get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. With a qualifying direct deposit, you can get access to your money sooner. Fee-free overdraft with SpotMe. Overdraft up to $200 without fees with SpotMe when you set up a qualified direct deposit. Just set up a qualifying direct deposit, sign up for SpotMe, and Chime will spot you up to your limit when you make a credit card purchase or cash withdrawal that exceeds your balance. Access 60,000 plus fee-free ATMs. That's more than the top three national banks combined. Easily find one near you with the Chime app. Send and receive money. Use Chime to pay anyone, Chime members or not, and cash out your money fee-free. With Chime's secure credit card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started at Chime.com slash badmoney. That's Chime.com slash badmoney. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. I know it's so hard to come at things from that 
way. And I'm still in the the practice of doing it and trying to be like, this doesn't mean an extra thing, right? Like if you went to the ER instead of going to work or, or that's a huge example, but like that doesn't mean that you're a failure who always fails. It's just a thing that is occurring right now. Like, oh no, I missed, you know, I missed a payment. That really sucks. But like, I, you know, I probably have to pay like a fee, which is again, like the the whole thing is set up to be like, and now you're fucked here. And now you're fucked here. And like, I get it. But just living in this is what is happening now and not the extremes of this means that this is going to happen and this means this is going to happen, which I guess is just called being present. But like, it's so hard, especially with money stuff, because everything is set up to be scary. Red lines and jail and like big, you know, things in the mail that say like last chance and like you know, everything is set up to be like the most stressful it could possibly be. And I think codependency is like, if you're not on the same level of stress, like I think about this, like my, like I'm changing accountants. And I think it's because my accountant, my first accountant operates in a, in a level that is so high stress. And then when I talk to him, I would leave the conversation being like, everything's important and a disaster, you know, and like that, matters to me to be like, you know what, I should talk to someone who when I speak to them, I leave the conversation like empowered and like able to do stuff. And I'm sorting through all the people in my life that are quote unquote in charge of my life, like my lawyer and all these types of things. Like, do I leave the conversation in a tizzy with like a heart attack or do I leave the conversation being like, okay, and do they need me to come on this ride with them? It makes you feel crazy if you don't go on the ride with them. Bingo. Or like the the evil person. What you said, it's like, I'm like plus one to everything that you said. You're absolutely <laughs> right. By being in the present moment, we mitigate a lot of that because finances are designed to instigate our fight or flight because yeah. literally right where our brain goes is like, okay, if I don't pay this tax bill, then I'm going to get this fine. Then they're going to garnish my wages. And then all of a sudden we're going to have no money and we're going to be unhoused, right? Like that's literally where our brain goes. Money is directly connected to survival. So to not be triggered or or feel a stimulus from a money conversation takes a lot of practice because it's like you said, it's designed to be that way. But being in the present moment is exactly what we do. So we don't future trip and go to the stories, but we're like, okay, in this moment, I just need to respond to this one thing. And then what you said about like upgrading all the people, I'm doing exactly the same thing. I'm switching <laughs> my account this year too, because same thing. And one thing that's really cool about somatic work is like when we are predominantly rest and digest, other people will gravitate towards us and kind of match our experience, but some people don't want to. And then those are the people that we probably want to let go. I also think like we're not given, because money is so red alert, we're not given the chance to sort through things. Like when the, when the mail comes and it's like, pay this now or you're fucked. You're like, well, I got to pay it now. And I hardly ever looked at like, it's actually due in March. So like, there's no, they keep us, they need us to be in this place where everything is the same number one priority in terms of money, because otherwise they don't get you. 
That's exactly right, right? So even saying pay this now or like there'll be a penalty, but it's actually not due till March is so interesting because that language is designed to instigate our fight or flight. But if we stay in rest, or di- in rest and digest, then we'll be able to access our higher thinking. We'll see more and we'll see that actually it's due in March and I don't need to be activated by mm-hmm. this thing. But what happens is when we go to fight or flight, we actually get tunnel vision because mm-hmm. for survival, we're like, okay, how do I focus on the threat to get out of the space? And so we actually lose the ability to see what's different and to take in the new information. But it, it these systems and structures are designed that way. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, also, like, I've been having some, I went through, like, a heinous breakup. I've been talking about a lot on here, and it was, like, very financially devastating. But I was, like, not looking at anything. I, like, felt like I couldn't look at anything financially until this breakup was resolved. And then it got resolved. And all of a sudden, it's, like, Saturday afternoon. And I'm, like, what am I invested in? And I can suddenly, after, like, a year, actually open my... Uh, IRA and look at it. For a year, I felt like I couldn't because it was so tied to like this breakup and getting this money from this person. And like now, and then I was all of it, I like could not physically do it, even though I knew that it mattered to look at it. I looked at it. I was like, okay, it's, it's fine. I, I'm prop now I'm like, okay, I can actually take steps to, to go through it and parse through it and be like, do I need to be invested in this? Do I need this actual financial man- manager the way I thought I did all this stuff. But literally for a full year, I was like, it's not happening. I can't open it. Yeah, because you were in survival mode. So how could you? I couldn't add another arrow to the arrows hitting me. No, no. And, you know, sometimes that's totally fine, right? When our bodies are in that space of survival, it's not like we're going to actually make really clear decisions about what to do with our investments anyway. So if you need to wait to take care of yourself, I think that's a beautiful and generous thing. I mean, I probably lost money by doing that. Like, I probably wasn't. But you took care of yourself. I know. I probably wasn't, like, as on top of it. But, like, it's it's hard. I think, like, and I'm coming to this now, and I think I've talked about this on the show maybe over the last, like, five years, but, like, you you can't, they want you to be operating from a place of survival. So you just pay, yeah. you know, and they don't want you to like sit and think about it or like read the yeah. document or, you know, like I took out a, a loan from the WGA during the strike. So I got a $4,000 loan. If you pay it back before it's due, you pay, you pay 3,600 on that, on that $4,000 loan. But if you pay it back after you have to pay back the full amount. My like fear was like, well, if I pay it back now, what if I don't have, you know, like all this stuff, but then it's like, well, let me just do it. Cause I, you know, I looked and it has the the discount, but I think like, and not to slight the WGA, but it's just an example of like, well, if we keep you scared, you'll pay back the full amount. Yes. I think lending institutions in general are sort of laced with bias and harmful tactics and oppressive tactics. I was talking to somebody last week who's, you know, very savvy. And they were telling me about when they first, you know, opened a a credit card, they didn't realize that it was an Amex. They didn't realize that they didn't read the fine print. And they're a very smart person that they would have to pay it back in full. And so they, you know, charged up this card. And then all of a sudden they didn't have the money and they were freaking out about what to do. And so they bank on exactly what you said, us not reading the fine print, us being in a space of fight or flight and being scared. They're sort of predatory lending practices. Yeah. So we also, in your message here, we talked about labor movements. And I think that dovetails with codependency because, you know, a lot of places I worked were like, we're a family, we're a family. You don't need to unionize, we're a family. So can we talk about how how workplaces take advantage of that to sort of run you ragged? Yeah. So we're not a family, right? <laughs> we- <laughs> 
<laughs> our family doesn't pay us to be a part of them. Maybe they do. I don't know. God, I wish. Some families are unlike that for sure. Yeah. And so it's not a family, right? And people bank on that. They play on our emotions so that we'll do more, we'll be more invested, et cetera. But I think it's really, this goes back to boundaries, just being really clear on what we are willing to contribute and what we are not willing to contribute. What we, you know, what's a... a, a something that will absolutely be integrity for the role and then what's out of integrity for us and for the role. And so just being really clear from day one about what we want to do and how we want to show up really just, but people do bank on on pulling on the heartstrings and the emotions so that we'll contribute more. And people like organizations will even take advantage of people that are really passionate too. So there's something called the passion tax where whereby it's like you see somebody that's like really passionate about their job and you're like, oh, we love that. Now we're going to give you more of said job. And so you actually get taxed and burdened for being passionate about the thing that you are doing. And so, you know, don't even get me started on the dysfunction of workplaces. There are many. And I think it takes a lot of conscious leadership to shift work culture and, and lead differently. And I see some people doing it really well. And I see a lot of places not doing it so well. Wait, say more about that. Oh, my God, the passion tax. Yeah, the passion tax. So it's exactly what I said. It's like if we see that you, you know, love doing see DEI efforts for the organization and we're like, Ooh. oh, my gosh, so grateful. Let's have you do more of that. And then all of a sudden you're working a second full time job. You're not being paid any extra money for it and essentially being taxed for liking what you do. And I think that the passion tax actually exacerbates burnout because we show up and we're really gung ho about this thing. And then. Oftentimes, especially as historically excluded people, we're like, oh, my gosh, thanks for seeing me. I'm, I'm really glad that you see that I can do this thing well. Sure, I'll happily do more of that. And then before we know it, we're burned out and bummed out and, you know, we're not being paid any more for it. Yeah, that's so interesting. I've never heard that. There's so many terms I've never heard. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. 
For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. I think like there's also the codependency of who am I without this? Who am I without this job? Like, I remember I've talked about this a lot, but I remember when I graduated from college, Facebook had just kind of started being a thing. You're welcome for my age. And Facebook was a thing like going into college, I think when I was in high school. And then during college, it was very big. And then afterwards, I remember being obsessed with the little part that said your job. Obsessed. Mm. Like when I left school, I would be like, if that little part isn't so impressive, I'm a fucking loser. And I need, I was like, what is it going to say on that little part? And that's all I thought about. I was obsessed with that. And so I, when I got a new job, I would announce it on Facebook immediately. I'd be like so excited because I'm freelance. I'd be so excited or like I needed it to be, I would be like, who am I? Okay. I'm a reporter at this place. Okay. Who am I? I work IT at this place. And that would be like who I was mostly because we were there. I was there all the time. Like the work hours were just like so much. And also it's hard not to identify with where you are most of the day. Like if you spend your whole day, you know, doing a certain thing, how do you not identify as that thing? Which I resist, yeah. I resist it. I don't like saying I'm, I'm a podcaster, even though that's what I, I mean, I'm a writer and a filmmaker. See, I'm doing it right now, even though I guess many of the hours of the day are spent podcasting, but it's like I, my identity as a podcaster, I'm like, well, I don't want to identify as that, yeah. but it's like, yeah. You know, I think I think it's this thing where you're like, well, I mean, even I've tried to be like not being codependent on work by not asking people when I meet them. Oh, what do you do? But it's hard because that is small talk. (laughs) And small talk, I think, also goes back to nervous system work and being comfortable in the, the quiet and not knowing. But I'm with you. I mean, listen, capitalism, right? Most of us spend so much time at work. We spend more of our heartbeats at work than we do anywhere else than yeah. with our loved ones, with our, than with our passion projects. It eclipses everything in our lives. And so it's really hard not to identify with it. And I think, again, like I'm a little older than you, but we did sort of come of age in that hustle culture, you know, boss era. And then where work was so central, like even I have a lot of conversations around purpose and people think that purpose is what they do, but it's it's not right. It's it's what it, what's sort of it's bringing forth the best that is within us. And so I think that we really need to sort of like divest from these conversations of identity being solely about what we do and being about the totality of our identities and our experiences. And I think that we alluded to this earlier, but Gen Z is doing such a great job of that. I feel like because of the overworking of our generation, they're really yeah. focusing on self-care and not over identifying with how they spend their nine to five, let's say. I'm wondering, I'm forming this this thesis now, but we came up with Facebook, which was very much like name, age, job, like updates. And then now I'm thinking about how I use Instagram. Like I do put updates and I do put work stuff, but it's also like, here's a picture of me at a bar. Here's And then in my bio, it'll say maybe my name, but it's not prompting me to say like, where do you work? Where do you, you know, like sort of uh, maybe there's some sort of like, you know, college senior thesis in this conversation. But like TikTok doesn't have a line that's like, where do you work? That, yeah. Isn't that wonderful? 
Interesting. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, a big sort of socioeconomic conversation in there too, like depending on where we grew up and how we grew up, the emphasis on making a certain amount of money, having a certain title, having quote unquote, a specific version of success was very important. You also alluded to this other thing earlier, but, you know, productivity as a measure of worth. So even like I got my hackles up when you were like, well, you have like an autoimmune disorder, you have, you're neurodivergent, which I am. And so you ask for accommodations or you do, you know, you do things a little differently or you work in the morning instead of in the evening. And like my brain went like, well, they'll just hire someone else who doesn't have these problems. Like even like with maternity leave, right? Like I see so many, I'm on deeply on Reddit and I see so many people being like, should I tell my boss I'm pregnant? Because what if they like replace me? Yeah. And like yeah. that's that fear came up for me, like very real, like, oh, they'll just yeah. replace you. Like <clears throat> you need a wheelchair to get into the office. They don't currently have a ramp, but you're the best qualified. But they, if they hire you, they'll need to put in a ramp. They, they're not going to tell you that's why, but they'll just want they just won't hire you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really real for certain places. I had Lauren McGoodwin from Career Contessa on my podcast recently, and I was telling her about a time where I was leading marketing for this one organization and they were moving the company headquarters. So everyone was basically losing their job. And part of the package was they brought in someone to consult on our resumes. And the person oh. said to me straight up, they were like, with a name like Amina Altai, you need to write speaks English fluently on your resume because nobody would ever guess that you are so articulate. And I was like, first of all, this is like a whole mess of microaggressions yes. in just one sentence. So congratulations on just cramming them all into one. Oh but as I was talking to Lauren about this, she was like, first of all, it's like so heinous. But she was like, would you want to work at a place that filtered out your resume because they thought that because you have a name like Amina Altai that you don't speak English perfectly? Like, no, right. you don't want to work with a place like that, that has that lens. And I think mm -hmm. the same is true for those of us with disability, chronic illness, neurodivergence. We want to be in places that see those as assets, right? That see that when we have more diverse workforces, it actually creates a much better place, a healthier culture, a stronger EBIT margin, all these kinds of things that companies are looking for. Not the ones that are like, oh my God, I got to put in a ramp. Like, because every single day we would feel the resistance of them putting in the ramp, right? Making yeah. a quote unquote accommodation for us versus welcoming us because we add something. Yeah. I always want somebody on my team that has a lived experience, you know, that has chronic illness, that is neurodiverse, that that has something that is just going to help us see differently because that makes us better. Yeah, like cynically, it's like, well, this actually might be someone who points out something in your product that you maybe wouldn't have noticed. And then now you're not canceled on the Internet or whatever. Exactly. And that's literally happening for my client. The example that I used where they just have this lens that is so much more inclusive. And mm -hmm. so the, the product that they're making is so much better as a result. Mm -hmm. I think about that with like pronouns. Like I think about like putting if you put your pronouns on a resume, what's going to happen? But like, you're right. But it's also hard when you've sent like 30, 30 applications and you're like, oh my God, no one is hiring me because my name is Amina. And if I change my name to Annie, everything goes like much so much smoother. Yeah, I think it's a both and, right? Because we know that people that apply out will actually have a different experience in the hiring process than people that don't. And we know that when I put the name Amina Altai on my resume, I'm going to have a different experience. And so there probably will be more headwinds. That is real. And also, I believe that we will land in the places that are welcoming and so mm -hmm. excited to have us versus the places that are like, oh, another immigrant? You know, I don't want to be there. 
I should. It's also funny because I changed my name and it's a, so now I, it's a men's name. And I, I was sending out resumes for something and I did wonder if they would like had it, not, not that if I showed up and they were like, what is this? But like, you know, I was like, it's, it was like a, it was like jobs where you would have to be a little bit dressed up. And I was like, what are they going to think? Like, how are they going to take that? I don't know. I just was like, they're going to, they're not expecting a trans person. A hundred percent. They're not. So then I'm like, should I put pronouns so that they at least are like, wow, that's interesting. Like that could be there. There is this like, oh, maybe they're just like, oh, we're hiring some, some white guy. And then they're like, oh no, we got this fucking social justice warrior ass bitch or whatever, you know? I don't know. (laughs) It's overthinking. (sighs) Or it's the codependency of trying to be everything for this other place and giving up yourself. I think that's really great, right? So like knowing what you want for yourself and what's integrity for you, how would you then navigate that experience? Yeah. And then also being in our own nervous system if there is discomfort in the room when we are not what they expected. I was going to say, because that says way more about them than it does about us. Yeah, the codependency that you described of like of like looking at everything and trying to make sure that everyone else is accommodated and everything's going on the best so that nobody attacks us or nobody's mad at us. I think you're right that like, I think there needs to be, and I'm, I, this is my new drum that I'm on now. I think there needs to be like a, a, an element of figuring out how to sit with discomfort, like not, not meeting someone where they are because they're there. If your boss is on high alert, not needing to be on high alert or, or not, not coming in and saying, okay, what, what are my coworkers? What are their emotions today? So that I can match them, which is very hard to do because you're just trying not to get eaten by the lion. Totally. And it's such a powerful practice. Like the whole reason that I embarked on this body of work is because I I was not interested in another autoimmune disease. I was like, two's enough. So like, let's just use the somatic work to see if I can downgrade my nervous system, but I bring it into all of my sessions. So I'm with clients all day, every day in coaching sessions. And if I can stay in my nervous system versus go on the journey with them, I can serve them so much better as a coach because I can see their stuff. I can reach for the appropriate tool. And so, you know, we're so worried about the other person not being okay with us being okay, but actually Actually, what we bring to the situation usually creates an even more expansive experience for them. It probably solves some problems. It solves a lot of problems. It really does. And if you are uncomfortable with somebody not being on the journey with you, I would, I would look into that, which is what I'm doing now and, and learning about codependency and um, trying to get off the codependency of thinking someone's going to be mad at me for not being matching them exactly, which is exactly. autism. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate this conversation. And I love having, I just, I I love having conversations with people who seem, are like at the top of their game or seem like in a, you know, who have experienced burnout and then figured out how to, you know, use that in order to like teach people and, and coming from a place that is not just immigrant, but I was, you know, from the place of chronic illness, which I think is not spoken about, or if it is spoken about, it's spoken about with derision. So where can people find you and more about you? Thank you so much. You can learn more about me on my website, AminaAltai.com. I'm sure the spelling will be in the show notes. And on Instagram, my handle is at AminaAltai. I'm so grateful that I got to be here today. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you everyone for listening. Bad With Money with Gabe Shane Dunn is a production of Noted Bisexual. Produced by Melissa D. Montz and Diamond M. Print Productions. Edited by Diane King. Post-production sound by Coco Lorenz. 
and music by Mike Kaplan, Zach Sherwin, and Jack Dolgen, as sung by Sam Barbera. Thank you. Love you. Bye. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.